0: Hello, folks. Uh, Eric from Hit Subscribe here with you once again, as I am almost every Thursday these days. And uh, the topic today is a question I had. Um, it's basically, you know, as a freelancer, should you uh, use the site Upwork or similar mm-hmm. sites like that? <clears throat> In the uh, software world, there's one called TopTal, or maybe there's a few like that. Um, Some of you might be familiar with like Fiverr. Um, should you use a site like that or multiple sites like that as a freelancer? So that's what we're going to tackle here today. Now, um, <clears throat> excuse me. To get started, for those of you who maybe aren't super familiar with this, let me just do a brief run through it. Um, so what is Upwork or what are these sites? Basically, it's a place that as uh, some kind of freelancer, you go register and you create a profile that lists your skills and stuff about you and what you do and what you offer. And then on the other side of it, um, employers or clients uh, register their own profiles as businesses that want to hire, and um, they can use the platform to go in various ways, select freelancers to work with. Now, this is going to vary some by platform, but I think common paradigms there are going to be probably the most common one is that the company comes and they have a project. And so they'll issue what's commonly called in the, in the industry, I don't know if the platform's call it this, but a request for proposals, RFP. So they go out and say, hey, freelancers, I got a project. And then the world's freelancers answer that. They answer the RFP by writing proposals. And then um, this is kind of standard across the industry, freelancers, firms, whatever, um, they compete for the business. And so you get as the uh, client, you get a bunch of proposal responses and you pick the one from, you know, five or six or whatever. You pick one and you work with it. So this is probably the most common way that companies engage. They go and create a project on one of these sites and then the freelancers apply for that project. Uh, I can also imagine that there are situations where the clients can just browse the index of freelancers and reach out directly to freelancers that have the right set of skills. And then maybe there's less common scenarios, like maybe the uh, freelancers can browse the companies and pitch them or something. Uh, I'm not sure what all enumerations of that will be. But think of it as kind of um, a way to broker a lot of relationships between freelancers and businesses that are looking for help from those freelancers. I generally think of sites like this, and the term I use for it is labor brokerages. Um, so it's kind of a matchmaking service for you know labor generals labor typically you might sometimes get people going on there for specialized things but that's going to be less common you're going to go on to upwork as a client and say i need help with seo or you know i need somebody to write some code or whatever the case may be is typically um, how those work so if you're an aspiring freelancer or a new freelancer you're thinking um, should i go to these sites and basically create a profile like is this a good way to find work is this a good way um to create and sustain a business for myself so what i'm going to do here today is answer that question now the short answer that i have my opinion on this which some might find controversial is generally i would suggest not using sites like this as a freelancer Um, the reason for that is that it is uh, and i'll go into more detail as to why i say this but i view it as a crutch um for a business So the answer that I give is usually not, usually I wouldn't use this, but like a crutch, you sometimes have a use case for a crutch, like if you're injured. In this case, uh, instead of injured, I'd say use a site like this if, uh, number one, you're brand new, number two, um, you need to pay your rent and you're kind of desperate for work, or number three, you only ever intend to moonlight or side hustle with it. In that case, um, as the moonlighter side hustler that's not looking for a sustainable full-time business, I think it's actually a pretty nice economical way to not have to bother with the part of the business where you go out and find business. So um, that's the short answer, and I'll go into why I think this is the case in some more detail. But to do that, let me talk a little bit about how you might philosophically view a business, just as a quick aside. Um, Excuse me. The metaphor that i like to use for a business is that it's kind of a machine if you will Um, and you could break that machine into a few different systems so number one you've got a system that um that figures out and and intakes business so it goes out into the world and out the other side comes customers system number two is that once you have customers you have the delivery part of the business like the actual service delivery and what you do so system number two takes customers as input and like creates satisfied customers as output ideally Um, and then system number three is collecting payment from those customers and with those three systems in place um, you have a blueprint for you know arguably the simplest possible business but a business nonetheless so imagine that we're talking about um, you know, a fast food restaurant or something in town, fast casual restaurant, the system for getting customers into place might be um, coupon clipping things that you put out coupons in the local mailer, maybe you run commercials, maybe you have a dude standing outside with an arrow sign pointing to go in, but you have some system for getting people who are out walking by or driving by or whatever into the restaurant. That is your sales and marketing, such as it is once they're in the restaurant, you have some kind of system in place for serving them. So you um, you know, have servers or have people standing behind the counter putting together their sandwiches or whatever, and you, you know, it's not completely ad hoc. There is a system for doing that. You um, have menus, there's a standard ordering procedure and so on and so forth. Uh, you can picture this pretty easily. And then finally, once they get their sandwich and they're up at the register, you have that cash register or credit card payment system in place to collect money that's what you need for a business. So uh, why am I explaining this and breaking down a business in this fashion? Um, The reason is to help you understand what Upwork really means for you as a business. And basically, uh, Upwork labor brokerages are when you take that first one, the one that goes out to the world and is a system for putting customers in your lap, you take that and you completely outsource it and wash your hands of it. So when you do that, you arguably don't have a business you have two-thirds of a business and then you depend on some other business to make you a complete business now um if you're watching this and you're thinking of freelancing or you're a freelancer and you're going from gig to gig you're probably wondering like who cares um i'm not really looking to build a business i don't want a restaurant i just want gigs um to me every now and then so why should you care about what i'm talking about here And the reason I would argue that you should care about this is because the abdication of that part of your business makes everything you're going to do, it's going to make your entire career as a gig-oriented freelancer much more of a slog. And I'll tell you why. I mean, you can appreciate this if you're on a site like Upwork. Like, let me explain how your world works and how it doesn't actually need to be this way. So um, what's the downside to participating in a labor brokerage? Well, I've touched on it a little bit, albeit obliquely already, but um, think of the way this works. A, A company issues a request for proposals, and then you and a bunch of other people answer those. Now, the key thing here is to understand that that is almost the definition of you as a resource or as a commodity. So if I'm the employer and I go out and I say, hey, I need somebody to write some copy and six people respond, to me... All of you, all six of you, are undifferentiated labor resources, and I'm looking at six different proposals, and I'm going to pick one, and you can bet it's not going to be the most due diligence-oriented process in the world. Uh, I'll let you in on a secret, because I've done a lot of consulting on people going uh, with and around people um, doing RFP processes. Most businesses most people who are issuing rfps have a very simple algorithm for picking one that they don't realize they're executing It is you look at all of them you carefully weigh all the options you evaluate these six miscellaneous largely undifferentiated resources and pick one you like to think you're doing something savvy but really you're just going to pick the check second cheapest one so as a freelancer on a labor brokerage your goal is like the game is some price is right game where you're trying to be the second cheapest option when you can't see the other five people and what they're bidding. And so like, that's not the best, Uh, you know, I don't imagine that's how anybody really dreams of uh, obtaining business. So um, you enter the whole situation as kind of a commodified generalist laborer and your ability to land business is going to be a grind and it's going to be kind of a race to the bottom because you're always going to be heavily incented to try to reduce your price to win business. Um, now if you think of the relationship that you're going to have with this business that you went through Upwork too, imagine this, it, you know, what they're doing for a freelancer, it just looks a lot like interviewing for jobs. Uh, so think about interviewing for a job. What do you do? You go put on your spiffiest suit and tie and you compete with like however many other applicants and like the best one wins. you are just doing the same thing here as a freelancer. So how do you imagine that relationship goes with your client? they're clearly the boss and you're clearly the subordinate. I mean, you've applied, you've jumped through all these hoops that they make you jump through. And once you begin that engagement, there's going to be a very much of a power imbalance. And the way that shakes out in your day-to-day life is that as a freelancer going through labor brokerages, you're going to have a relationship that's a lot like having a relationship with a boss, which might sort of beg the question, why did I go off on my own to begin with? If I've got a client that's telling me I need to start at 9 a.m and I need to be available for these meetings and I need to join the slack, etc. If you're not going through an RFP process and especially a labor brokerage and there's a world where like the clients are coming to you for your expertise, I can't tell you how much easier it is to negotiate where you say this is how I work, here's how I communicate, etc. That might seem like a pipe dream if you're only used to labor brokerages, but it isn't. you can do it that way. But it's really hard to work that way through a labor brokerage, especially after the optics of you just kind of won this relay race against five other people and were selected. Um, You're by definition when you're being selected from a bunch of similar applicants, um, casting the client as kind of grading all of you, like the professor and you're the student. Um, And in general, I mean, just along that theme by outsourcing all of the way that you find business, you're kind of just recreating salaried employment, where as a salaried employee, perhaps you go out and um, actively pitch yourself to businesses or use your network to get an in at a company that you really want to go work for. But as often as not, you're just kind of like tied up with a bunch of recruiters or on job boards um, I don't know if like monster and career builder, or all that is still a thing, but like, you know, whatever the equivalent of it is these days, you're doing stuff like that as a um, uh, somebody looking for salaried work. You know, Upwork is just like Indeed or Monster or whatever for freelancers. It's, I mean, you, you really get into the situation where you're just kind of casting yourself as an employee, but with more interviews and fewer benefits. So all of that is why... I would say even if you're not looking to start a business in the way you think I was describing a little while ago, there's still downsides that are very appreciable. Um, So with that in mind, like what should you do instead? Uh, Am I just shooting holes in something like what's the alternative? Um, So first, let me reiterate, if you're looking to pay your rent or if you're in a pinch or you're just getting started, uh, go use this. But like view it as a crutch, view it as a temporary situation and, and try to have an exit plan for it. Um, And then again, if you're moonlighting, then this isn't your full time job. So as a moonlighter, if you have a full time job, full time source of income, this might be a really efficient way to save yourself time, like it's just a way to make a little bit of extra money. And when you um, are just moonlighting on the side, it's a lot less risky or grindy um, to outsource parts of your business and just earn a little bit of extra money um but setting that aside so if you're looking to make a go of it you've just started freelancing how do you get it kind of off of the um labor brokerage paradigm um i guess the first thing i'd suggest is i don't know how much it's like an airbnb or something where they really try to keep the uh two participants from doing business outside of the platform but the first thing i would try to do is uh, earn repeat business and do it outside of the platform so try to bring your upwork clients off of upwork and if you're not doing that because everybody thinks it's easier for upwork to handle the payment and take a cut or whatever again that's just another way that upwork is um you remember the three systems i talked about they're claiming a second one like you just don't have a real business if you're doing that you need to figure out how to accept payment so don't let that be the reason you don't leave the platform Get yourself off that platform. Another thing you can do is ask your existing satisfied customers for referrals and make those referrals direct. So go to them and say, hey, you know, even if you don't have any more business from me right now, do you know anybody that might? And then see if you can broker a direct email introduction. Like don't go through a brokerage or a platform for that. Um, I would say in general, in parallel with that, I in another video, which in, for YouTube, I'll link um, or I'll put a thing in the eye, you know, whatever. Um, I did a thing uh, or a Facebook live about prospecting. Like how do you go find, um, business as a new freelancer, some of the techniques in there, um, I would definitely recommend. So your personal network, going out and joining communities of practice or, um, places where the people that you would want to work with hang out, go prospect, go do things like that, go out and actually meet people. And then um, alongside of that, develop at least a rudimentary sales process. So, like, it could be as simple as, like, here's how I work um, as a business owner. The first thing I do is I schedule a 15-minute discovery call so that we can just get to know each other. And then if we both think it makes sense from there, I do a longer discovery call where we talk about the engagement. You know, set up some kind of process like that, however light or informal, but something that is How you uh, take people from prospect all the way on through to being customers, because in the absence of any process like that, customers will fill in the blank. And a lot of the customers, if you're used to the brokerages, will fill in the blank by saying, go create an Upwork account and blah, blah, blah. So have an alternative and say, no, I don't do that. Here's what I do instead. So that's kind of immediate stuff that you can do. Uh, work your network, um, you know, do some prospecting, and then take your existing clients and try to get off the platform. Uh, longer term, again, I talk about this all the time when people ask me for advice. You need to get away from being um, like a generalist laborer that, that is basically like a wandering employee that just switches jobs more often than an employee. Um, you need a niche and some expertise. Once you have that, you can start to market and position yourself as an expert and um, there's a guy named Jonathan Stark that does a lot of content on this. And, and I like the way he phrases this. Position yourself as the one and only X instead of just like a miscellaneous X. So like what I mean by that is um, I think it was a video uh, I did a couple weeks ago where I was saying like maybe you, you pick a specialty where what you do is you find limos for NBA players who are super tall. So you're, you're finding these like limos that can accommodate that. If you did something like that, you would be the one and only NBA player limo finder. And when you are doing something like that, going through some miscellaneous general labor brokerage makes no sense. Why would you do like nobody's going to be looking on Upwork for that? Instead, you have a site, you talk about it, you hand out business cards or market or whatever you do to spread the word. And once the word is spread, people come to you. And that's really the key. So to bring it back full circle whether you're a freelancer or not, wouldn't it be great to have business like make its way towards you instead of applying for gigs and answering ads on Upwork or whatever they call them, um, going out and hustling, sending cold emails. You want people coming to you because you're the one and only you are the expert. So in order to do that, you have to niche, you have to get to really understand your buyers and you have to do a lot of things that go above and beyond just kind of wandering around from gig to gig. And, um, whether you like the gig-to-gig lifestyle or not, I'm not criticizing that, but I am saying that if you get niched and, and you specialize, whether you have ambitions to grow a business and get people under you, start an agency, etc., whether you have that or not, it's certainly a lot easier to have a freelance career when your um, pipeline of business is consistently stocked for you ahead of time, when people are on a waiting list or when you can reach out um to people on that waiting list at any time and have business. So that's really what we're talking about here. When you use a labor brokerage, it's kind of um, a perpetual sentence to always be applying and pitching and pushing. And it's a crutch that prevents you from ever reversing that flow and having people come to you. So um, you absolutely can do it in the short term. I mean, you gotta pay your bills. You gotta figure something out if uh, you're not doing that currently. But understand that if you're making a career of a labor brokerage or just generalist, you know, serial gig labor, it's a slog. You're going to be spending a lot of time hustling. You're going to be in this perpetual pricing race to the bottom where you have to convince people that they should pay you more than somebody who is offering to do the same thing for five bucks an hour cheaper. And um, the first step towards getting out of that slog is not viewing labor brokerages that, you know, just take over a third of your business as a viable option. So, yeah, I hope that's helpful. That's probably not the easiest advice to hear, especially because, like, if you're new to this, like, it's such an attractive thing because, oh, I don't have to figure out sales or marketing at all. I just create a profile, tell everyone how awesome I am. Like, I get that this isn't fun advice to hear, but I kind of hope it's, like, a healthy diet and exercise that in the long run you see the wisdom of it and reap the benefits of it. So, yeah, I will catch you next time.